Well, this morning Atticus came down with five different size balls, and he created some game games to play. And so he said, "You got to play, okay." So anyway, he explained to me the rules. We started to play, but here's where I had the problem: the way he scored. I thought I had won the game. He said he had a hundred points, and I had seven. So then we played another game. I still think I won. This time, it was a little better. He said I had like 25, but he still had 67. I think it was rigged. You know, the problem with relationships is so often we want to rig the game so that we will win. It's hard for relationships to thrive when we are constantly making sure that we're going to win the game. As a matter of fact, I believe that part of the power of relationships is that God gives us relationships so that we will grow up. You know, a child often, it's the world's about me. You take care of me. You, you make sure that you know, everything is right for me. Notice me. But as we grow up, God wants to teach us that we are not the center of everything. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Jesus most beautifully showed us that when he became the servant of all by Calvary. So we're going to go a little different uh, for a few weeks uh, taking a little break from Mark, and, and I'm going to look at the power of relationships. And specifically, I'm going to do a few messages on marriage because I believe marriage is certainly an area that God uses to help us grow up. So uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 as we go back to the beginning and the creation and how God formed that relationship. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. If you'll stand in our great God's honor, I'm going to read aloud from the text. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Let's pray. God, I thank you for, Father, just how great you are, that you made us male and female, Lord. You have a design and you have a purpose and, and, Father, as we come and as we seek you, Lord, as we think about all our relationships, uh, they work when they're under your design. And when they're not, Lord, 
It's just chaos and hurt. And so I pray this morning as we take time to look at your word and your initial design, Father, that we would look to you. So, Father, just teach us from your word. In Christ's name we pray. One of my favorite shows growing up, you know, matter of fact, the days where I grew up, of course, this dates me, I would come home, and we just, you know, had the antenna, so we only had about three stations, and I had my shows in the afternoon, I would watch one of those shows, it was a show, it only ran for three years, which I find it hard to believe, since I watched probably ten years of reruns, uh, you know, they would stretch that out, it was a show, some of you may have watched, called Gilligan's Island, the USS Minnow hit land, and they were trapped on an island. You had the Magnificent Seven, all right? You know, you, you had uh, the Howells, you had Skipper, you had Gilligan, you had the Professor, and Ginger, the movie star, and Mary Ann. And, of course, here's what all us guys know. Ginger was supposed to be the beautiful one who attracted our attention, but the one that got all the love letters and the attention, who got the most crushes, was Mary Ann. What was the goal? To get off the island. They were stuck on this island, and they had all kinds of comical things that happened while they were on the island trying to, trying to get off the island. And, and life's like that sometimes, right? We're, we're, we're trying to get off this island of self. Everything revolves around me, but I'm not happy. The more into self I get, the more unhappy I become. And so part of the battle is that we're alone on an island that we desperately need to get off of. And God has designed relationships to get us off of the island. And we want to look this morning on the foundation relationship of society, one of the three institutions that are described for us in the scriptures, and that is the institution of marriage. Now, when marriage is in trouble, civilization is in trouble. And so our whole society is in trouble. I thought of 1 Corinthians 14.33 that says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Man, I look around me, and it seems like there's more and more disorder. Chaos seems to be growing. Well, well what has happened? Why have we lost our peace? Because we are losing sight of God. We are losing sight of His institution, of His design, of what he wants there to be. And when people build apart from God's design, they simply fit something that doesn't build something that doesn't fit together. When we begin to deny masculinity, femininity, and the God who created and designed these, there is disorder instead of peace. Another reason I think it's important to take some time to look at marriage, the marital relationship, is because there is a war to break down this building block that is so critical to society. God ordained three institutions. Uh, he ordained government. And as I thought about government, it's designed 
so that people are safe, so that they can thrive in the freedom that God has created them to enjoy. Here's what Abraham Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address. He described the United States as that government of the people, by the people, for the people. That's, that's government. Secondly, there is the church. The word church literally means called out ones. Those of us who are in the church, and I don't mean just this building, this sanctuary that is set aside for worship. The church is just called out ones. God met us, God spoke to us, God changed us, and we realize that we have a reason for being here. It is for Him, called out for Him. And then the third institution that He has formed is that of the family. Man, when a society has families that are broken and are in trouble, that civilization is in deep trouble. And we as the church, we should not avoid these issues, ignore these issues, isolate and insulate ourselves from these issues, but we should be an example of what it is like when God is in our lives. And we need to find ways to connect ourselves to others so that they can see God. We're called to be salt we're called to be light where there's preservation and there's taste and this world needs to see that because of the disorder instead of the peace kind of crazy out there here's a couple of verses uh, titus 1 15 it says to the pure all things are pure but to those who are corrupted and do not believe nothing is pure in fact both their minds and consciences corrupted people don't even realize they got stinking thinking Here, here's another verse this is um, from uh, the contemporary English version Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 7.29 I did learn one thing we were completely honest when God created us but now we have twisted minds That's what is happening around us. Now, before I go any further, I want to make an important point. We preachers, and I is one, sometimes we're guilty as we, we preach from the pulpit, like uh, you know, everybody's married. And that's just not true. And, and so I do not in any way want to come across to someone at this time who is not married that you know, somehow they're a second-class citizen. Or, you know, they're going to be fulfilled once they get married. Till then, they're, they're not. Well, it's simply not true. The, the scriptures describe that marriage is a gift, but it also describes singleness as a gift. Now, I know that was a gift. I realized I didn't think I had. Uh, but you know what? It is a beautiful gift for those who find themselves in that place in life. Um, maybe there's been relational problems, and so... They're not married. Maybe that's just not the desire of their hearts to get married. Maybe uh, someone's been through a divorce, and at this time they're not married. Uh, maybe there's been a death of a spouse. There's, there's different reasons, but in no way when I talk about marriage am I saying that that is when you're going to be totally fulfilled because you can't find your total fulfillment merely in a person. 
that has to be utmost in God. Or maybe some of you would say, well, you're talking about marriage. I'm not married. I don't even know why I'm here. Well, let me tell you something. There are principles in this that apply to all of us regarding relationships. You might say, well, preacher, you say next week, you're going to teach on worship and singing. And I, when I sing, it sounds like a wet dog howling. So I don't think that's for me. Others may say, well, you're preaching on trials, and I've had a good week. Everything's gone my way. So I don't think I... No! No. We need to hear the principles from God's Word, even though maybe at this moment it appears it may not directly impact us where we are. So we go to our text in Genesis chapter 2. This is a primary text in the New Testament. Four times... It is directed back to Genesis chapter 2 in these verses, which describes God's design. Marriage is from God. One man and one woman joined together to become a family. That's not something I made up. That is what God created what he specifically brought together. If man invented it, then man could regulate it, but man didn't invent it. It is from God. If man created it, he'd have the right to end it, terminate it, negate it, marginalize it, or anything he wanted to do with it. But it's not from God. And we step outside of what God has created, problems occur. God said what? God has joined together, let no man separate. It's interesting, as you look in the book of Genesis, there's a common phrase as Genesis starts out. Six times as creation is explained, God created. God said it was created, and he said what? It's good. This happened six times. It's good. It's good. It's good, right? And then you get seventh time, what he say? It's very good. But what's interesting about today's scripture text is it's the first time after everything was good and then very good, God says, this is not good. Look again at, at verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good. Why? For the man to be alone. That's not good. Uh, one commentator said you could read it like this. Not good, not good, not good is man <laughs> alone. Now, before I go any further, I say, you know, Adam was alone. There were some good things. Number one, it was kind of simple. Kind of simple, right? I mean, he had the whole garden except for this one tree he had to kind of stay away from. But otherwise, he could go where he wanted to go. He could eat some of that delicious fruit that he wanted. Uh, he didn't have to worry about somebody else's ideas or comfort level. Or Man, he, he could just do what he wanted to do without having to worry about somebody else. It was paradise. He had it made. He didn't have to worry about it. So school talked about road rage. Well, there's no road rage to deal with then or any of those kind of issues. So there was a simplicity. Secondly, he had responsibility. 
notice our text said he had a job naming the animals. What a cool job. And I believe when he started out, you know, it was probably like this. Ah, yeah. You, hippopotamus. Five syllables. Ooh, I got going. And, and, you know, and and then he went to rhinoceros. Still got it going. Four syllables. And, And then he went on to elephant. But man, he started getting tired. And so as the day wore on, it got to be squirrel. And then, as he got near the text, he, it was things like dog, cat, flea. But he had this responsibility, he had this job, and he had this simplicity. But what wasn't good, even in the midst of that, he felt lonely. He wanted to be with somebody. The search for someone. And besides that, how could he fulfill God's mandate, right? Be fruitful and multiply. Well, you know, I'm not getting a lot of commentary on this, but that's something you don't do alone. Right? People that that are to be involved. And, And not only was there the sense of children, but also just the social dimension of sharing life with somebody of being with someone else to take that journey with. You know, I've always thought about that when it comes to vacations. I don't want to go on a vacation alone. I want Simi to be with me. Or, you know, I like to be alone at times and study and all that stuff. We preachers are kind of wired that way. But I also love people. And I don't want too much time where I'm away from people, and especially her. She's my best friend, the one I hang out with and one I want to be with. Remember that movie Castaway by Tom Hanks? What a weird movie, but what a great acting job. Here's Tom Hanks. He's a castaway on an island, and he gets lonely, and he happens to find this volleyball that he names Wilson, right? And he's carrying Wilson around everywhere, and it's a good thing nobody was watching because they'd say, you have gone nuts. But he talked to Wilson. There was one point... Uh, where Wilson almost got away from him as he was trying to escape the island, and he risked his life to save a volleyball because he had formed this bond with Wilson. So what's the point? The point is we were not created for isolation. We were created for community. We were created for relationships. And, And guys, we are made in God's image, and we look at God. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's this sense of relationships that are pivotal to life. And it's true for us. We were made to be with others. Now, this is from a Jewish commentary. Uh, This is is a little bit strict. Listen to this. He says, Whoever has no wife exists without goodness, without a helpmate, without joy, without blessing, without atonement, without well-being, without a full life. Indeed, such one reduces the representation of the divine image on the earth. And you're thinking, whoa, 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 preacher! I'm going a little bit far here. You just said it's okay to be single. Well, listen, this is not the word of God. This is some guy in a commentary. Let me tell you, you can't always hold on to or believe every commentary you read. That's why we need to be in the scriptures to see what God specifically has to say. 
marriage is to be a place designed to help us grow up. But God can also work through those who are not married. I mean, look at the scriptures. You got Joseph, who rose to really be the most powerful guy in the world in Egypt. God placed him in all these difficult situations. And through those difficult situations, he was single. And then you had Daniel, right, in the lion's den. Single. God used him. I love what, I was trying to remember who it was quoted this it was Jay Vernon McGee I think but sometimes I can't remember but he had said the reason Daniel survived was the lion looked at him and said I can't eat that rascal he's 99% backbone and 1% griddle grizzle so <laughs> the griddle yeah. uh, but anyway and then you've got Elijah right and man he was my favorite character stood up against 850 prophets and and, you know, but he had his times where he was exhausted and times where he had his pity parties. But, you know, what an honest, great man of God. And he was single. And, and of course, you had John the Baptist, the greatest born of men, right? <laughs> and then, of course, you had Paul. Paul said, if it's up to me, I, I choose to be, you know, I choose to be single. Um, so certainly, you know, people who are single, God used powerful. And then the greatest example of all, Jesus Christ. And, and listen to, this is from a commentary. One commentator, he, he wrote this. He said, it's impossible to believe that the same God who permitted his own son to die a bachelor would regard singleness as wrong. As wrong. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Whatever circumstances you are in, be content. That is what God calls us to. But the relationships we find ourselves in, God is working in us to free us from that island of selfishness. Now, I want to look at God's rescue plan. Uh, verse 18, he says, I will make a helper suitable for you. Now, you first read that word helper, and from our understanding, that just doesn't sound very respectful. You know, uh, one, one commentator said like this, he says, uh, that's what I am, a helper? Hi, I'm Mr. So-and-so, here's my helper. It almost sounds like there's only one person in the equation, and the know-it-all uh, is really the one that matters. As if the vows would say, I take you to be my lawfully wedded maid to wash and fold my clothes from this day forward, <laughs> for better or for worse. But yet the actual Hebrew word doesn't mean that. What it means, a helper is someone who fulfills what is desperately missing. It is often a word that is referred to as God himself. Listen, this is Psalm 46 verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. It's that same word in Exodus 18 as Moses describes God taking the people through the wilderness. He spoke of God as a helper. It is the same word, uh, a helper who powerfully fulfills what is missing, what is lacking. And so God designed man and woman to come together to fulfill what is lacking, to bind together a beautiful relationship that is shared 
that completes. I've, I've often said marriage is not a competition, it's a completion. That is the work that God carries out. And he often takes those areas where we're different, just like magnets. You know, you, you take magnets, if you've got the same polarity, two negatives, you know, they repel each other. But you, if you get one that's negative and one's positive, the magnetic attraction brings it together. And so there's that fulfillment. But of course, because we constantly seem to want to go back to that island of selfishness, sometimes those things that initially attracted us are like, ooh, they're just a pain. And, and it can become difficult to live with. But God is constantly trying to mature us, trying to grow us up through those difficult times. In verse 19, as he talks about the helper, he says, The Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So, you know, there was a lot more than the rhinoceros and the flea, you know, that were in there that he named, but there was no one to fulfill his need for loneliness. You know that old saying that dog is man's best friend? I got a dog, and I love my dog, but not like I love my wife. And let me tell you, you start thinking about these pets. We got this cat that's a hunter. And this cat catches little critters and murders them. And it sounds awful, but eats them. That's what they're supposed to do, I guess, anyway. And then I got this dog that, gotta watch this dog. They go to places that flies buzz around and eat it. And then you think, we're letting these things get in our laps and lick our face? Are we nuts? Yes, <laughs> says Robert. Uh, But Adam looked around at all those choices and said, no, I need more. I need, I need someone else. And so God stepped in. And not good, not good that man should be alone, right? Verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Story about a little boy. He heard uh, this story in Sunday school. He, he went home. He had a really bad stomach ache. And his mom says, are you okay, Jimmy? He says, Mom, I think I'm having a wipe. <laughs> and <laughs> poor kid. But the, the point um, of the matter is uh, God had a specific reason as woman taken out of man, but meant to complement, to bring together man and woman and to have that relationship. I love how Matthew Henry expresses this in his commentary on this text. He says, Woman was not taken from man's head to be above him. She was not taken from man's feet to be walked on by him. She was taken from his side. That's literally translated rib here from his side. And then Matthew Henry closes, If man is the head, then woman is the crown to her husband. God's plan for dealing with loneliness and aloofness to form the foundation of the family upon which a culture is meant to grow and civilization is meant to be strong. Marriage is also described as a picture of our relationship with God. 
And so I have to, as I close this thing out and talking about the importance of relationships and the search for someone, the search for someone is ultimately not just an attractive person who's opposite sex to me, which, you know, for, for many of us, obviously, they're, you know. But ultimately, what fulfills that greatest, deepest need is the relationship with God. So I would be amiss if I did not offer that to you because we have a God who we don't have to search out. Guys, he's been searching us out. That's what Calvary is all about. Jesus, who had it all, came to give it all so we might know and have it all too. And so if if there's anyone listening or anyone here today who has not made that relationship a vital part, what a great day to do that. <laughs> He's waiting. He's saying, I want to have a relationship with you. So why not today? Take him up on his offer. God, forgive me. Live in my heart. Make me new. Other relationships, they're right when they're under him. If, if you're single and, and you want to get married, uh, God in his time will bring that person in your life. The focus is, is not merely, i got to find that person, i got to find that person. No, the focus is really, God, help me be that person. Help me learn to be that servant, to get out of this island of self. Because you have a rescue plan, but that rescue plan starts not with that other person I want to meet. It starts with meeting you and allowing you to change me. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each one here. And as we've taken some time to look at your scripture that talks about the formation of the family, man and woman marriage. God, I pray that you move in our hearts, Lord, that we would long and seek, oh God, to follow your plan, to live within your design. Father, that we may discover the joy you intend for us to have. And Father, that always is rooted in a right relationship with you, offered through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, speak to any heart that is listening, whether in person or online. And Father, may we just simply obey you and turn to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.